I think it's going to rain and it's going to stop. This is I Am a Griefist, a childhood cancer grief journey podcast. Welcome back. Hi. Hello. So we're back with Angelina for part two. So we wrapped up last week with, you know, the six month notification, the six month, you know, what do we call that? That we were given six months with her. I took it as a death sentence. <laughs> That's basically what it was. That's how like, mom wants to here's define your, it. Here's what you got. Yeah. It's a foretelling of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were in school the day she passed away? I was in school the what do you, day she passed away. What do you remember about that day? Uh, like the whole day, kind of. <laughs> Do you? Yes, wow. it was another one of those flashbulb moments. Mm. Um, so the day was fine. It was normal. It was three days before school ended. And there's a reason I remember that it's three days. Probably because it had an impact on those three days. <laughs> it did. It very much so did. Yeah. The day went on as normal, but because it was the end of school, there wasn't as much like work to be done. Most of the grades were finalized. Most people were doing fine. I remember being in my English class with my teacher, and one of my friends at the time. And because I was completely caught up in that class, I was playing checkers with my friend. And I was going to win, probably. Can't tell you now, but... um, I'm sure. Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we had been playing checkers, and then there was a call, and I wasn't trying to, like, eavesdrop, but I could tell that it wasn't, like, happy. The teacher was just like, hey, Angelina. And I was like, yes and he was like they want you in the office and i was like okay and on the inside i was like oh no and my first thought was the baby because i had known i had been told at a certain point that was what was coming and that's where my thoughts went to first because i don't think i could think of anything else and i just had a feeling like this isn't this isn't good well if i can speak to that a little bit too because We haven't talked about this much, but historically in your life, when you would get a phone call to go to the office at school, it was never for good news. (laughs) Am I right? Right. But it generally also wasn't for the baby. So that was a loop a bit. Yeah. So why I bring this up and you may not resonate at all, but when there would be news about the baby, it would be a phone call from my mom, grandma. Carmen. And if there was no serious news to share, it was a text message. It was, hey, this is what's going on. No big deal. We're going to do this. This is our plan. Step, step, step. When I would get a phone call is when I knew it wasn't text worthy and there was something serious going on. So even today, I would consider this some level of post-traumatic stress disorder because if my mom calls me, I immediately go to something's wrong. And she's just, hey, I'm at the store. I'm getting snacks. What do you want? But what she has, I've communicated that to grandma. And I said, hey, grandma, you know, when you call me, I immediately go to something's wrong. Is there something we can do about this? And so what she immediately does, which is kind of funny, but it's necessary, is she'll begin the conversation with nothing's wrong or, you know, everything's okay, but I'm at the store, right? So Mm -hmm. she starts with 
addressing my fears immediately so that I don't, so my PTSD can be a little bit settled and I'm not immediately something's red alert wrong, right? But that took a while. But even today, it still happens. So I was wondering, and why I brought this up is I was wondering for you, was that some level of PTSD for you when you would get a phone call? Hey, Angelina, you need to go to the office because something was wrong. Because of the student that I typically am, I don't get a whole lot of calls in school, if that makes sense. Because you're not a troublemaker is what you're trying to say? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to background this with is when I was in third, fourth grade-ish, I would get calls to the office to eat ice cream with the principal. So less negative connotations ah, okay. going into this more reward more reward okay. than it was negative yeah. but i mean obviously i don't feel as great after this experience with sure. those things now i'm always like well did i do something or did something yeah, happen some level of anxiety about it yeah, it's a stressor for sure yeah with a straight a student that's what i you know get. Yeah. i know i don't know i feel like i should mention that it didn't continue being straight a's <laughs> We'll not... cut that out. Nobody needs to know that. <laughs> no, I no, and it's... I think it, it had to do with the trauma. There's yeah, a, there's the trauma. There's quite a bit of things that we could attribute to it. Yeah. So continue. So you get this phone call. You got to go to the principal's office. Yeah, I get the call, and my first thought is the baby, and then either to quiet my stress or because I genuinely feel that way. I can't really tell now what it was, but I was like, no, not yet. This is not. She's still here. She's still here. That has to be true. And I was like, maybe it's not even her. Maybe I'm just worrying for nothing. Right. And then my mom's there and I was like, hi, hello. And she was like, yeah, it's happening. The baby is in the hospital. And I was like, that's. This was a phone call that you had with your mom or your mom was in the office? office. My mom was in the office. Okay. I was getting pulled out of school. They didn't tell me that. They were just like, go to the office. Okay. So I didn't know anything. I was just walking there mm-hmm. it's a middle school it's not as big as like my high school was but it was still a walk where i had time to think like what what could possibly be going on yeah and it was three days before school it probably wasn't me in trouble so um <laughs> yeah we were to the school ends, yeah, yeah. kind of silly so yeah that's that was immediate and i was like dang it and i wrote down in here the time because i went back home i think and got it and started writing but it was like, I think I said 12 noonish. Yes. I'm using this for reference right now to get the timing right because I know the timing was something that everyone was kind of thrown off for mm. because things just kept yeah. happening and everyone was everywhere. Right. And I think my dad said it too. It's a mess. Yeah. It was a mess of a day. Yeah. Um. So it says here around 1230 and I'm going to assume that I was not wrong. <laughs> Hey, your young brain is probably better than ours, so I'm going to trust that. So, 12.30, we're at the hospital, and I think by that point in time, everyone's kind of pulling in. Everyone's kind of there. This says that my siblings were dropped off with my grandma, and that it was just me and Ma, which I do remember being just me and her. And I remember sitting and waiting and having this and kind of like scribbling ideas down, but not really paying attention to it as much because I needed to be alert. Our family is huge, so it wasn't like a few people waiting around by the end of it. There was like a ton of people. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone was stressed, but like trying to figure out what was going on. Mm -hmm. And no one knew still, I think. Anything, yeah. And I know Grandma Carmen had mentioned it in earlier episodes where she was like, my mom had mentioned we had just gone home. And that's true. After about two to three hours of just sitting there, I wrote it too. Here, I'll read from this section. 
when mom told me the baby had a seizure, which is what we found out it was a seizure, mm-hmm. she seemed freaked out and we left. My siblings went with grandma. We got to the hospital and stayed there for two to three hours. Grandma Carmen talked about the baby and angels in heaven so intensely that I thought I might cry. We stayed in the waiting room, though, and didn't get to see the baby. She seemed stable, though, so Auntie Jess, another auntie, and Grandma Carmen went to go in and out. We left. We left. Mom and I got food. I remember this. We got Wendy's, and for the longest time, I didn't want to eat Wendy's. And mm. for that was, like, the only time I had really had it before, and mm. I was just, like... There's a negative. Negative. And then yeah. every time after it that I've had it, it was also in some way attributed to the baby. So it was like gross. Is like, that not the weirdest thing? <laughs> yeah. No. We, the next time I had Wendy's was the day of her funeral. Wow. Yeah. Two negatives. Yeah. And I and I remember it though because it was like a burger and I was trying different things from yeah, there. Yeah. And like the grease spilled on the dress and I was like, oh. <laughs> and then the next time was like when we went to knots or something like that in her name and i was like are you serious like yeah uh, um so we went and got that and then i can speak more from memory on this when we got home mom was still stressed out the babies were there they were distracted i was watching my mom because even though i couldn't know what was happening again there's a lot of perception of what's happening with adults you can see it Mm -hmm. in their faces Mm -hmm. and with our family in particular our faces give away a lot i've been trying to tell you guys (laughs) my face will say a ton more than what's coming out Mm -hmm. of my mouth it Um, apparently runs in the family (laughs) we may not always vocalize what's happening yeah but we are very expressive still there's a lot (laughs) Like, for the sake of politeness, maybe we'll hold sure. back a little bit. But, our but it's face, not really polite because our face is our telling face you. Is saying <laughs> it's it. just like my meme. <laughs> my face is calm, but I punched you in the face already five times in my brain. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> she was stressed out and I could tell that. And there was phone calls again, which we talk about a little, but she was getting calls. And there was one call in particular that she got where she fell. Like, she dropped on her knees and started, like, crying and trying to answer. And I think that was the one that Grandma Carmen was retelling. Like, we, we just left. We, we were, not, we're not here. We're not there. We're, what are we supposed to do? And this is the part that my dad got wrong. He was not here for, to witness that because the next person that my mom called was my dad. Because that's the first person you talk to, right? So that's what dad was saying he didn't remember was if there were two vehicles or one. What ended up happening, I think, is that me and mom went back and Mm -hmm. we left the babies again. Mm -hmm. But before that, it was she tried to kind of fill them in because she's crying now. Mm -hmm. There's not, not going back from that. We sat in a circle and my mom was trying to explain. She was like, I need you to listen. She was like, she just passed away. And all three of you? Yes. My 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 sister was crying and she doesn't vocalize a lot of her emotions either. So I was hugging her. And my brother, I think, just turned like six and he laughed. But it wasn't like, ah, oh, this is a funny thing. This is more like oh, what do I do? Kind of nervous. Almost like unbelievable. This isn't a joke. Like this is an uncomfortable laugh. Yeah, you know. I do that too. You know, kind of the reaction you have when someone 
like unexpectedly shows you something really intense that's supposed to make you sad or like upset and your first reaction is like defensive laughing. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like that. Yeah. And he didn't even he didn't grasp death. I don't personally think until a little bit later around the first or second year after maybe even where it's like, "Oh, she's not coming back." Like mm-hmm. so that was really intense. I remember the laughter and I remember being like, "But well, he was only 5." He just turned six. He just turned Oh, no, that's six. true. He had just his, turned six. His right. birthday is right before right. that event. So it was like... Can I back up a little bit? Mm-hmm. What was it like to see your mom sort of crumble on the floor? I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do because the whole idea, right, was be hopeful, push through, stay positive, and everything will work out okay. It didn't work out okay, and everyone is upset and being positive right now isn't actually going to help them. It again turns into what can I do? What yeah. What is there to do to fix it? And you can't fix people's feelings. That's not how that works. You can't magically make things better through hoping. You just have to be there while they're sad. I don't know. It just felt like everything before that was a lie because that's all I was told to do. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of what I was pinning, relieving my own guilt on yeah. was like being able to fix it, being able to do something. And I couldn't. I, there was nothing I could do anymore. And so I almost wish, and I know I felt like this for a long time after, that I hadn't been told to hope at all. Mm, even your dad said that. Yeah, because it's like, what was the point of all that energy in making sure I didn't feel a certain way so I could be uplifting to others if it was all going to come crumbling down afterwards? I get that. I totally get that. Like, it was a lot of energy to, to try and stay forcefully positive. Yeah. It's almost like a fake positive, right? Yes. Like your body is telling you there's something wrong, but you're trying to put this fake, happy. Like be here. Yeah. Be here in the moment to appreciate it. Yeah. But Try how do best. you how do you actually get through to that point where you're allowing yourself to feel anything? Because if you if you fake long enough, you don't you don't feel yeah. what's going on until way later. Right. And for me, I almost didn't have the opportunity to feel negative at all. It was, it's immediate. It was a fast thing. As long as this process was going on for, it was a fast thing to try and figure out what the right way to react is. Yeah. So you heard at the same time as your siblings that she had passed. So yes. you observed more than you think you felt. From there, it was mostly observation, but you know, that's my mom. And as much as it's her job to protect me, I wanted to be able to help her yeah. because it's it's a gratitude thing for moms. It's like, well, you've been here all this time. How how do I repay? How do I repay? Yeah. How do I how do I get you through this? Because that's what you did for me. Mm-hmm. And it was like she was devastated. And I knew that she was probably processing things on her own. But it was like, oh, I don't know how to react to this. This is not like I knew it was coming, but I was still told like be hopeful mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it was like, well, now what? Mm-hmm. I don't have anyone telling me how to react. Everyone's reacting around me, and I don't even know like the extent of what's going on, how that happened. When there, like there's no details after that. It was just the phone call and ma- like making more phone calls. So you know, I hugged my siblings because that's that's what you do, and we went again and. I remember that you were still freaked out by the time we got there. <laughs> Sorry. You, you were outside. I know, I know. I remember that. And I remember there being like, I, I wasn't sure where to look. Everyone was, everyone was like 
crying but i remember so instead of looking at any particular person i looked down and there was like rocks on the outside by the like plants or something i was mm-hmm. like well those are unbothered <laughs> like yeah so we went back in at some point and we got to see the baby as she was with her mom with aunt jess and that room was more like hushed there was like sniffles but no one was trying to i think overreact I don't know how to say it. Like, no one was trying to ruin the almost solitude that she yeah. appeared to be in. Yeah. And the peace, I, the... <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, like, the finality of it, right? Just yeah. The... I don't know if I have to say it, but I don't like hospitals. <laughs> okay. I don't like hospitals. I don't like the lights. I don't like the hallways. Mm-hmm. I don't like remembering walking down knowing what was going to be there. And I don't like the way the light looked on her face when she was lying there Mm. because she was already like she was sickly Mm -hmm. and it made her look worse. It made her look worse. It was like almost a greenish yellowish tint. Mm. And I was like, that's not her. Mm -hmm. That's not, you know, she was she was a vibrant person. Mm. That's that's who she is. Right. And seeing her like that was like, that is just not right. That wasn't supposed to happen. And it's not like, it's not the same, I think, with you or grandma. I don't have anger because, I mean, who am I going to be mad at? I can't be mad at the adults. I watched you endure this with me. I can't be mad at God because I don't even know what my dynamic is with that. It's just like, <laughs> there, there's, there's nowhere to place anger mm. for me. There's nowhere to be mad. I'm just mad. I'm just mad. I don't have to be mad at anything or anyone. I'm just mad. See, but when I do try to, like, see, like, is there something I can be mad at? It comes back down to me and my previous guilt, and I don't want to feel that. I Well, let me rephrase that. I completely understand where you're coming from. I think my mad is at life's not fair. My mad is at cancer exists. My mad is this cancer chose my niece. Like, that's my mad. Like, it didn't have to be that way. And I'm just mad that this continues to be so difficult for me to to have this life, knowing that this is this burden of, and this dark cloud above my head of work that I have to do to be okay. Like, I don't want to have to struggle this hard. I don't. It's a struggle every day. and. That's what the whole life is unfair. Like, why me? Why did this have to happen to me and to her, right? Like, it Mm -hmm. shouldn't have happened to her, which then impacts all of us. So it's that too. It's this shouldn't have happened to all of us. You shouldn't have had to deal with that as a kid. You shouldn't have had to deal with that at all, period. There are kids your age that have never even experienced cancer. That to me is what gets me mad. See, there though, I can't personally relate as much because that's my normal like I don't know that makes me mad (laughs) like like everyone's saying you shouldn't have to go through that but like oh what else shouldn't like that was my childhood and as as intense as it was that was still my opportunity to meet her yeah that was still my opportunity to know her and spend the time that I had right so if I'm mad at that if I'm mad at my childhood then there's like not a good memory that I have. Yeah. There's not anything that I can say like, oh, I should have had this and compare it to other people who do have like somewhat normal childhood. I mean, I don't know. Everyone's experience with childhood is a bit different too. Yeah. So it's just like, 
I, could- I, I completely hear you. I completely know where you're coming from. And these are the conflicted feelings that I feel like I talk about constantly. And we've, we've shared, even with the stupid shit that people say sometimes, it's, would it have been better her not existing at all? Well, no, that's not what we're saying, yeah. you know? But it's that constant, I'm so mad that this happened, but I'm also so grateful I got to know her. But it's my own work, right? It's my own emotions mm-hmm. that I'm trying to work through. But I, I completely get where you're coming from. It's just, I think, three years of that, almost four, and that being like a good percentage of most of my life, that it's it's difficult to try and place negative feelings on that because yeah. I almost don't want to. Yeah, I, I want to be happy about what, like, what I had, but at the same time, it was like, I don't know, I think I'm more just sad. Okay. But most of it, most of my time spent reflecting on it has been numb almost like wow. you know how they have the um stages or whatever yeah i think most of it would be denial <laughs> most of I it get like that. a good percentage oh, of yeah. me is just denying no no i'm okay and it's again kind of i think in that mindset of i have to be positive somewhere mm-hmm. but i'm not actually positive i'm just not feeling anything yeah i totally get all that so for me i think there are days that i get up and i think Oh my gosh, what a beautiful day. And she loved the sun and I work in the garden and oh my gosh, she loved being out here. She loved helping me garden. And, you know, it's a reminder of like, I can't wait to share like right now that I'm trying to grow dragon fruit. I can't wait for those things to start bearing fruit so I can share it with you guys. And then there's this quick little reminder that she's not here. So even though I feel like grateful there's always this she's not here yeah i think that happens with me kind of every time that i go to this house because it's like oh i'm gonna see my cousin and my cousin wait and then there's that step back of oh dang i'm not i'm not gonna see her and i think the most prominent thing in this world is her absence Mm -hmm. like i can't not feel her energy where it was supposed to be and there's there's a lot of that because she was so vibrant. There was a big space of our like our day that was centered on enjoying that, you know, having the opportunity to interact with it mm-hmm. and and encourage it. And in a way, I feel like there's a lot of the growing part of that energy that we don't have that there's really just kind of like that's that's the absence that i i feel all the time mm-hmm. and i think that probably contributes to why i don't want to feel as much as at all anything even like happiness is because like what what's the point mm-hmm. there's a lot of that but there's also like like now there's not as many people in the house right now so it's like not as big to be in this room in this house but like the photos i know i know it's it's the it's the reminder. And I think the thing that you guys do differently is there's a lot more reminders. Like in my house, we still have reminders. We still have a painting up. We still have things that we talk about, but it's not nearly as much as it is here. It's not everything that we see. Yeah. I think my dad struggled a bit to talk about gold nuggets. We have them, but they're like not as frequent. We don't do it all the time. It's, it's just when we feel that it's overwhelmingly there that we say it kind of or we'll laugh and share memories and that's that's a big thing too is being able to talk about you know the good times that we remember because that's what we have left right so immediately following 
you receiving the news that she had passed, you were tending to the kids, you were giving them hugs. But what was it like for you, like to get on shortly thereafter? Was it hard for you? What like what, like in the following days or mm-hmm. in those moments? Okay, so the next day I took off school, so I only had one more day left, which is why I remember it was the three days. It was uh, trying to process it and a lot of talking about my two cousins together because that's how we talk about them that's how Mm -hmm. like we sign cards from both of them right and then trying to say it and then realizing i can't exactly say it the same anymore even today i'm like how do how do i say my cousins when referring to one of them that's still Mm. here so it's 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 just like a struggle of like how how am i supposed to navigate this now where like this was the situation that wasn't supposed to happen. This is a situation that I wasn't prepared for. This wasn't the situation that I was able to fathom was going to happen. Right. So how do I unprepared go into this new mindset that I have to have in order to stay like somewhat sane? What worked for you about those conversations? Would you still say my cousins or would you say my would you adjust? I still say my cousins. I still think of both of them. And you know, when I get gifts... I think it's primarily in this family. We sign not from, like, the adults of the household, but we sign from the kids. <laughs> what do you mean? It is from the adults. <laughs> no, but it's signed. No, from I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, the kids sign the cards. The adults do the work. They get the money. They figure out who needs what. <laughs> no! And then it's, it's from the kids. It's always yeah. the kids. They go to work and do. They mow the lawn and <laughs> use their piggy bank savings yeah. <laughs> so it's still I, I get cards and it's still signed from both of them yeah and it's like i keep those still i'm I'm probably hoarding because it's been it's been a few years now but i still keep the little i like i like keeping them and i like having yeah. those from for me it's it's just like again what you talk about with honoring the person honoring her it's it's a not super difficult because she wasn't like aggressive (laughs) like she was a happy open person even through a lot of the pain that she endured so there's a lot of things that we have the ability to associate with her there's a lot of things that are reminders even if we don't verbally say it so it's it's a lot of thinking about her when I see those things thinking about you know what memories do I have with this and I think one of the ones that's easy for me is like the zoo and the ice cream and the churros that's that's a thing that i had with her so it's something that i'll think about every time i have even that specific combination of food probably it's that this reminds me of her and that's okay that's nice i like this i like the memory that goes with this so you've been finding golden nuggets which is great what has worked for you to get through the tougher times like how do you cope well, I try to frequently watch some of the videos that we have, some of the things that we've compiled as a way of grieving, but I don't openly do a lot of it. Like sometimes there are times when I, I want to be happy about what happened more than I want to be sad. So I'll try relating to like peers. I'll mm. share stories that are relevant for whatever that I remember of her. And that will be nice until someone asks, like, oh, well, how is your relationship now? with?" And it's like, well, I can't mm. say as much, but it's still my way of trying to, to process that it even happened because mm-hmm. um, you don't want to say that it happened. And I don't tend to get into the story with a lot of people, mm-hmm. but it's still 
my way, I guess, of getting through. Though I can readily say that most of my coping mechanisms, especially initially, were still the shut the emotion out, Mm -hmm. don't think about it, don't deal with it, just keep focusing on what you need to focus on because otherwise you won't be able to finish these things that matter to you, which is like Mm -hmm. school, managing, you know, normal friendships. And that wasn't fun, but it hurt less because I didn't give myself time to hurt. Wow. Did your siblings ask you about like how you're doing or did they ask you questions about seeing that you're the the one that takes care of them were they were were they going to you for help in managing their own emotions um with my siblings I think a lot of us mirror our parents and that's not exactly great for coping mechanisms okay no my sister is unable to really articulate or verbalize when she's having struggles with Mm -hmm. anything Mm -hmm. in general Mm -hmm. and i've always known that so most of the time when we have these discussions it's me going to her to ask because she won't talk unless Mm. i ask she won't yeah she won't express it unless i'm like hey how are you doing or sometimes we'll mention something and she she visibly flinches and so i try to make note of what's making her flinch what what memory we brought up Mm -hmm. and i'll go to her later and be like hey i noticed that this happened how are you feeling were you thinking about this lately is there someone you want to talk to about it and then i'll ask like have you do you have any friends that you trust to talk about and she's like i've only mentioned it to like three people and even then i can't say everything that Mm -hmm. happened And they were so close. Like, I have to imagine that it's a lot more than I can understand on the surface. But it's like, you know, I'll always be there for her and I'll always be willing to listen. But I can't I can't impose myself. And I've I've also tried talking to my brother, who was really young at that time, that this started happening. And I'll occasionally bring it up. And he's said to me that he kind of is afraid of forgetting, but he doesn't remember a Mm. lot. Like, most of the times that we had were still, like, limited visits or, again, through Skype or through trying to navigate her being safe in a way where we could still connect. And so he remembers very specific things, but he doesn't remember everything. And in a way, I'm kind of grateful for that. But at the same time, I know he's struggling with with the idea of having this person that we love and talk about so much that he can't really fully remember. He was three. He was three when so she first little. got diagnosed and six when she passed away. So, yeah, she was he was way young. And so his when she was diagnosed, he was three. So most of what he's going to remember is just the battle. Yeah. So she he didn't get to do a whole lot with her. It's the battles and the stories that we retell because sometimes yeah. there are memories. Like I said, that was kind of the period of the infantile amnesia. The yeah. kind of right. we're, we're forgetting most of this because yeah. we have to make room for all this other stuff we have to process later. And he he like he he'll remember things based on how we tell the story. Yeah. So like if we talk about that time we went to the zoo, maybe he'll see a photo and he'll be like, oh, okay, I was there. But he won't remember like concrete yeah. memories mm-hmm. of yeah. it. And it's like I, I'm trying to allow him to talk, but he doesn't always know how he should confront those things because mm-hmm. he still feels like he should remember. Yeah. And it's not something that I can be like, yeah, remember it. Like, no. It's okay if you forget. And he he's afraid of that, I think. Mm. 
So you mentioned that, you know, your sister has friends to talk to, but really not. She comes to you or you come to her more to help guide those conversations. But who do you have to talk to? Well, when the baby was going through all this, when she was not immediately diagnosed, I had a friend that I was able to talk to. And I feel so bad about it now, but she she was there for all of the stories, for all of the updates. She was, like, supporting me through it. And we were tiny. So, like, I don't, I don't know how much of it she understood at the time. But going into high school, like, a couple of years later, her sister got diagnosed with a form of cancer. Wow. And I felt so bad. Because I already made her endure that journey with us. I already told her like the ups and downs, my feelings at the time when I couldn't express it as much with adults because I was trying to put on the happy front. And then she had to witness the person that she was closest to potentially leaving. And I felt like I already made her endure one cancer journey Mm -hmm. that she shouldn't have had to go through two. And now all of the fears that I had, all of the maybes and what ifs were probably going to be replaying because now those were her what ifs. And it wasn't like it was her sister. That was the person who kind of like introduced her to the world in the same way. It was Mm -hmm. her older sister. So it was like the potential for loss and how I contributed to that kind of like blew up a little bit. And I I regret it now, but I stopped talking to her as much because I I couldn't I couldn't offer her what she needed. I couldn't be hopeful anymore. Mm. It's rough. It's rough because that's exactly how you feel. You're absolutely true to your feelings, and you honored your own feelings. But that's I think that's why I feel like a failure to you guys because I couldn't handle my own. All I can tell you is, I mean, it's hard to not feel bad about it, but I still feel bad that I couldn't help you guys. But it's admirable that you want to, but it's also admirable that you recognize that you can't. Yeah, and I think actually we just recently had a falling out. She was my best friend for eight years, and I think that that probably had something to do with it. But I was going through other things, too, at that time where... Sometimes the people that I told the story to, because I wasn't shy about it, I used to wear her shirts all the time that sure. we had. So before everything, people would ask and some people knew. And some people use that information because at the time I was a kid, everything's hopeful, everything's positive. So it's now I'm in a place of vulnerability with some of those people. And some of those people did use my connections to like get in close, but in a harmful way. Ugh. So that stressed me out for a good chunk of time and so I I just don't talk about it as much anymore I don't have people that I want to go to I'm say the most supportive person I have is actually my current partner and the thing with that is they're so supportive through everything but it's a hard thing to navigate because they weren't there when I was going through it yeah and they're they're grieving this person they never had the chance to meet and through you through me and the thing is, they know how the story ends already. Yeah. They know that it's it's the more that they get to know this person that I'm grieving, the more it's going to hurt them. So even when I'm talking about sometimes they're like, hey, I need I need to process all of this information. It's a lot. 
and um, I have to respect that. And it's not difficult for me to respect, but it's still, I'd say, probably the healthiest form I've had to freely express myself. Wow. There's a couple of things in there that are that were very poignant that I sort of want to touch on. And it's like you spare sharing the trauma because you're trying to be considerate of everybody else's feelings about it, right? And their emotions. And if they you bring them into your trauma, you're sort of setting them up to experience your trauma with you. And like, that's really difficult for us to choose to do and for someone on the other side to choose to go through trauma Mm -hmm. with you. And a lot of people don't want to have those conversations. But to hear that even as kids, that that effort is there, that you want to talk to people and you trust your friends to have these conversations, but then something in their life changes and you're no longer available or you no longer have them as a resource to have these conversations, to navigate those situations really breaks my heart that you didn't have more available to you. And it's not like I'm not blaming anybody, but like I didn't offer myself more to you or because I'm not saying because, but there were opportunities where I could have and I didn't. Or, you know, I was so focused on the baby that like you had mentioned, you were sort of your attention was not as strong as trying to take care of the baby. So like hearing this, like I'm also super afraid of hearing this conversation, but I know it's necessary. But I do feel some level of guilt, too, that I wasn't more I didn't pay more attention to you and your feelings well I mean too it's not like I was outwardly (laughs) expressive of my feelings there's always there's always the opportunity communication is two ways and that's easy for me to say now but like I don't know I guess ask and this is for people that are listening right I guess ask your kids but don't be surprised if they don't go to you it's not because it's a trust thing it's more like they're still trying to navigate those feelings themselves and having to explain that is is difficult so like i know i don't know there's this weird mentality as a kid you don't want anyone to notice when you're down but you also you're you're frustrated when people don't notice it's like you should know but i don't want to talk about it yeah yeah so you shared that you have a partner that you can now talk to i hope you know that you can come talk to me anytime and I won't speak for mom, but I'm sure she'll agree. Come talk to us, but just know that if you talk to mom, she might go off on a ton of tangents. Yes, I'm cry. Or cry. Yeah. And it's not that you would need to spare our emotions. Like we, we do this every day and I go to mom almost every day. She comes to me with the heavy shit all the time. So please feel free if I haven't. And if you didn't know, if I haven't communicated this to you before, come talk to me anytime. Absolutely. The other thing about trying to connect with peers using my experience is that my experience is not super relatable to a lot of other kids exactly so it's like do do i want to talk about this and then have to explain that i'm functioning still right that's the follow-up is like oh my god are you okay like i'm here (laughs) (laughs) doesn't she sum that up just so perfectly Mm -hmm. we're here we're doing what we need to do to get on It's not easy. It's not relatable. And this is why I'm so glad you're here because there might be other teenagers out there that don't have an available resource to know that what they're feeling is normal or to know that they're going through similar experiences because it's not easy to find people like you out there. So I'm so glad that this is now going to be available soon to those folks and maybe they can find something they can resonate with what you've shared already. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, I should say it. It's okay to be sad even if people are telling you not to be sad because it's a sad experience. Who told you not to be sad? No one told me directly, but that was the implications I was getting. Like, just 
be, be happy. happy. Ugh. So be happy. Whose parent can I talk to about that? <laughs> Excuse me, no. No, no. Just it's it's, it, it's something that needs to be emphasized in general with kids in general, regardless of the experience that they're going through. It's okay if you're not happy. It's okay right. if you don't feel happy. If you're going through unhappy things, like you want to move on, and that's great. That's respectable. But also, if you don't feel stuck. You're not going to be happy either. Yeah. You're not going to be happy. You're not going to be healthy. You're not going to know how to deal with any of the stuff as it comes. So right. be sad if you need to be sad. Just get through the moment if that's what you need to do. This cancer specifically was abrupt. There was a lot of things going on. So sometimes it was just like a moment that you had to be sad. And mm -hmm. then again, with being happy, being positive, you can do that. It's yeah. a thing you can manage. I probably didn't do it super well, but this is this is in retrospect. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Do what you need to do, get through it, but also allow yourself the space to kind of take care of yourself, respect yourself enough that you're willing to say, "Okay, I'm I'm gonna take care of myself because as much as I'm taking care of other people, I need to take care of myself." She sounds like a thirty year old woman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just so bright and encouraging. I love it. What has worked for you in that journey, though? Getting there. Probably realizing at some point that I deserve to be treated the way I treat other people sometimes. Like, mm. that's a starting point. That's a rough place to put your mentality in. Like, hey, if I'm willing to be empathizing with all these people and their problems, and I can hear my family's problems, which I'm part of, <laughs> I have a somewhat role here, then maybe I should be nice to me too. And that kind of opens up with, okay, what do I feel? And immediately that's like, I want to shut that back down again because that's what I've been doing. But mm. but being able to communicate firstly is is a major thing, which is also why I was super immediately yes to this, because this is part of it. This is part of healing. This is part yeah. of getting through is talking about it and feeling heard. So there's less opportunity to do that, too, when you're a kid. And it's not even because of the situation that I was raised in. It's that it's easy for adults, for grownups to try and talk for you, to try and make guesses mm -hmm. at what you're feeling. Because yeah. when you're a kid, you don't have the words to articulate quite everything. Yeah. And that's normal. But it also kind of like overshadows like, did you did you ask first? Did you somewhat try to gain insight? Or did you assume it? And that's, I think everyone does that a little bit with people. Like yeah. we read facial yeah. cues yep. and we assume yep. a lot of things. But it has to be, there has to be some form of like, hey, what's what's going on in here? You have to think a little bit more beyond yourself, which is incredibly difficult right. to do. But it's it's a start for parents, I guess, is like, hey, before I speak for you, what what's going on here? Mm, I love that. So you talked briefly about the golden nuggets a little bit. Mm -hmm. Do you get the golden nuggets too? Tell us some of those experiences if you do. I am a bit more dismissive of a lot of the ones because, again, I like logicking and reasoning <laughs> out of it. Because that sounds like your dad. <laughs> it, it's just like, again, what he said, if you do any random sequence, if you keep adding up numbers, you're going to get it eventually, right? Fair. If you monkey on a typewriter, there. if you have an infinite amount of monkeys and an infinite amount of time and an infinite amount of keyboards, there is a hundred percent a chance somewhere that that monkey is going to type out the entire scranship of Romeo and Juliet. Is it high probability? No. Well, could it happen? Yeah. The possibility is there. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I like associating things with her, but I don't 
feel so extremely about all the time that I see the number 23. I mean, every hour has a number 23 in it. And if I happen to look and it's 23, it's like, oh, okay, that's that's cool. But I'm not saying that she did. She didn't control it. Time, you know, <laughs> that's not what we're saying. <laughs> I know it's not what you're saying, but I, I I attribute things like time a little bit less than you guys. Sometimes it's overwhelming to shift environments, right? Going between my household and this household because it's like, whoa, we're back in this world of everything is whoa. But yeah, I do I do have some attributions. I do think like I think of rainbows again, kind of back to the audio that you use for this. It's like. Bad things happen and there's always a chance that something good's going to come out of it. And mm-hmm. that's kind of, you can't really take away too much from our story, yeah. but that's a takeaway. It's like a point that I keep coming back to when I think about it, because that was some awful crap that we went through. Mm-hmm. But it was still, it was still nice to know her. It was still nice to have that presence while I had it. And so it was like a rainbow. It was like a good thing that I could get from a rainy situation mm-hmm. and it's not like it's always raining either like she said it's gonna stop at some point but there's still afterwards there's still after everything i used to think about her randomly and doodle out like her name and objects that i saw around me that reminded me of her i still do that sometimes and it's like it's nice it's not necessarily a nugget but it's something i make for myself that's how you honor her it's how i honor her other things that i do again with the videos and watching that's something that i do like the the knots thing i was the person that saw that and i think yeah i think because of finding her name on inscribed on a wall yes okay i was with my cousin and i saw it and i turned back around and i kept walking because i was falling behind everyone else and then i looked at it again i was like wait hold on (laughs) <laughs> give, give me a second here and my cousin was like what What are you doing hurry up let's go and I was like no 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 look and he was like what are you talking about now and then he saw it and he was like oh and he was like oh and he was like auntie uncle come here <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so I remember seeing that and it was, it was it's just funny it's really just like things like that where it doesn't add up as much where I can't reason my way out of it. I'll be like, okay, I'll take that. I'll take that yeah. as my little, I can do this. So you're not completely denying it, right? I'm not, I'm not completely, <laughs> like, denying it outright. There there are things that I can see how you get to, like, the reasoning of, like, oh, okay, I can see why that would be a random off chance. But, like, last time we went to Knott's, which was just recently, we also went there to kind of celebrate her, even though we didn't have, like, a concrete plan or anything. Mm-hmm. We stopped by the brick, which the bricks are being covered up. Hers is not covered up still. Oh, oh. So we we panic every time we look for it now. We have pictures. Yeah. We have pictures. We take a picture every time. Good. But I still want to see it when I'm there, you know? Yeah. There's always write it in. (laughs) Mom! What did 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 Joe call them? Miscreants? Miscreants. (laughs) Which one are you? Miscreants? Miscreants? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Last time we went, though, we did that. And then a little bit later, we went to, I think, like, the mine thing where you sit on this like train thing and it takes you through like a fake mine okay yeah we're waiting in line and we're by some flowers and hummingbirds went by my head Aww. twice and so i was like i'll take that as a little positive affirmation there you go. for me yeah because, i mean once is like well that's an off chance and then twice is like i'll take that oh 
I like it. I told it. you that story. And I think we talked about that. When the baby was battling, like when we first started with the battle with cancer, we were in the garage and there was this hummingbird that came and attacked her, attacked her <laughs> hair. It was like, this is weird. I've never <laughs> seen that happen, but it was trying to like, in the trying garage. to nest, you know? little hummingbird. That was so weird. So you've listened to most of the episodes. Yes. Have we said anything or has anyone else said anything there's two parts to this that surprised you or that resonated with you. Okay, let's, let's start with surprising. My Aunt Jess is a phenomenal person and a great mom, but I don't always hear her perspective of things. So it's always a little bit interesting or somewhat surprising to hear her side of it because mm-hmm. she's not she doesn't like emphasize that she went through it. She's she's, again, kind of like a protector for you guys. She yeah. thinks of you guys first. And I noticed I'm noticing a trend here in our family. But uh, yeah, it, it was not nice, but it was like relieving to hear, I guess, that mm. she was okay to be open about it, yeah. okay to be honest with it. Yeah, And it was a lot of stuff that, I mean, I could guess that was happening, but right. I would never want to assume what she was going through. Right. So it was a lot of coming to terms with just how much she had to deal with yeah. watching not only that, but me and her other baby growing up that's, that's a lot nothing grandma carmen has said has surprised me at all because <laughs> i've heard a lot of it growing up <laughs> i have heard like a good good chunk of it growing I'm open up. with all of my kids <laughs> um too open almost <laughs> a little bit but it's I just it's talk a lot it yeah. is um interesting i think too to hear how you two relate in certain ways because there's a lot of I, I know you're angry. I can feel it kind of, but I don't mm, know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know the depth is what it is. And so having the opportunity to hear you guys talk about it is always interesting. Yeah. Otherwise surprising. The medium thing. I was told about the medium thing. Okay. Who I told was, you? My mom. Oh. She was like, I'm not going around any <laughs> of that. So I was like, can I, can I watch? And she was like, no, you're not going near that. Don't, don't even... There's a TV show you can watch. <laughs> There's a couple. So Teresa Caputo, Long Island Medium. I think it's on TLC. I think so. And then Monica the Medium was on, oh God, I can't remember what show. I'm sure you can find it online somewhere, yeah, but sure. I think it was on ABC Family, something like that. Anyway, doesn't matter. Her things are probably online too. So you don't need to go actually see anybody to sort of know more about the experience. They do have TV shows that you can kind of see what they do. Just yeah. And that's how we started, right? Is just watching them and going... Is this something we might be interested in? Hmm, I wonder. And then I still have some skepticism. So I'm not like a medium worshiper or anything like that. I hope you don't think that. But it's more just exploring what's out there and seeing if it's something that I can relate to or that's something that can help me heal and get through this I think that's time. it, trying to find something that'll give you the healing, the peace, the comfort, and hearing from the other side, how else are you going to hear it? I mean, we can meditate. We can you know, hear voices when we meditate, but really I think it's our own voices that we're hearing when we meditate and hearing somebody else maybe kind of affirms what we hope to be when we pass, that we will see her again. And it just, to me, it just brought that little bit of, she's okay. She's okay. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to think of, again, I know I'm repeating myself, but it's hard to think that she's okay when she's gone from us mm-hmm. because yeah. all we can't she protect wanted her. to do. Yeah. All she wanted to do was be around us, be around her cousins. She looked forward to you guys. 
coming over. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't regret a single moment that I spent over here with, with either of my cousins. I, I love them to death. It's it's a bit funny, though. There's a couple of things that I wanted to mention. Firstly, my dad's take on Satanism was kind of funny. It was pretty funny. <laughs> but he's not he's not saying that because he believes it's devilish. He's just, he's perpetually afraid of ghosts <laughs> and spirits. Ooh, we can mess with him. Like no, he used to think I was possessed when I was small. <laughs> like, he, he really did. Um, I used to live in this house, too, and we all shared one bedroom, and I would sleepwalk. And that That's would... That's right. That would throw him off. And there was one story... That he told me that was just like, I thought you were possessed and I was scared. So I just told you to go back to bed instead of cleaning up the mess that you made. Oh, my goodness. What had happened, I guess, I, I while sleepwalking, I picked up a thing and I threw it. And then he woke up. So he was like, are, are you going to pick that up? Not realizing that I was sleepwalking. And then I turned my head to look oh. at him in the dark. right? Oh. And he was like, N- never mind. <laughs> <laughs> just go to bed. Yeah, he did. This and didn't then, happen. And then he said, I looked at him for a solid second, I turned back around, and I tucked myself back into bed. And and then he asked me the next morning, he was like, hey, do do you remember? (laughs) And I was like, no. And he was like, you're scaring me. And I was like, okay. You should have been like, yes. And it would just... (laughs) I didn't know. I was smaller. (laughs) So he, he like, legit is just afraid of that stuff. And I asked him one time, I was like, do you have any fears? And he was like supernatural stuff yeah i it scares me it scares and me and i was too. like why well, supernatural stuff is different than what in the mediumship it's yeah different. it's the and chimes people, moving on its own and me yeah freezing. i think it's the the <laughs> from what i see everybody balls them up into one thing Satanism, yeah that's true the spiritualism well i'm sure if you taught him that yeah. whoa <laughs> well no 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 but you're right i i didn't this is your fault, Grandma. Is what difference. she's saying. Because I didn't bother even looking into it. Yeah. Because for me, that meant nothing. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. Nothing. But then once everything started happening with the baby and I saw where your Aunt Jess was looking more into spiritualism, so did I. Now, meditation came way before I even had my own children. But meditation came because I am ADD and because <laughs> I am, you know, all over the place all the time. And I had issues growing up. We all have issues growing mm-hmm. up. And that was one way that my dad had of trying to get me to calm down a little bit. So, so. Anything else that surprised you? Mm, not so much. I think seeing the adult perspective, whereas I've only had mine. Yeah. And it was like me in my head trying to figure things yeah. out. And getting this information finally. <laughs> yeah. So did, did it answer some questions for you? you it think? did answer some of them. I'm still not 100% clear on all of the timeline because it seems like a lot of it got muddled over the years. And I mean, I have I have this, which is like towards the end and like she's sleeping a lot yeah. and tumors in her lungs and just the wheelchair coming in. That was all like stuff that was going to be more concrete anyway because I was older. Yeah. So it was all like, I kind of remember and probably don't need this as much as I might have needed it, but I don't know how I would have said it any different. Yeah. No, I think maybe most shocking to realize that there's there's so many people in our family whose perspectives <laughs> who I won't be hearing. Like, this this impacted way more than just me or you yeah. or any of us. Yeah. And it was the people that we knew too, the people that were around us watching us grieve. That yeah. was a whole big impact for this one little girl. Yeah. So anything that resonated? Resonated. Did you resonate with anything we've said so far? Your dad said? My dad, I don't know. I kind of saw it in him. 
I guess, more than... I can't get him to talk about most of the stuff. Like, the longest I've heard him talk about anything emotional or serious was this podcast. That's wow. what I was going to say. Wow. I think, I think this is probably <laughs> surprising for the whole family to hear. Yeah. To hear him talk. So, I... I always thought that he was going to be a part of the podcast because I thought this would be awesome just to have his side of how everything happened and how... I thought so too, but yeah. I didn't think he would like agree. That's, hey. that's what we all said. That's what we all said. We weren't really sure because we weren't sure that he he was able to do that. I know yeah. he can. I just don't know that he was emotional. Wanting to. Willing to. Yeah, I mean, that's a I tough think time. It's opening up. Yeah. How many times right now, even with with angelina is you could see she she didn't cry but she was getting ready to and the same thing with your brother yeah there was sometimes i'm thinking he's gonna need a tissue no he's not yeah you know what i mean but he's but you could see that it affected him yeah period for sure yeah and it's hard to talk about that i think it it is hard and he wanted me to emphasize that him being reserved was not so much a dude thing or a male thing so much as it is like an individual person thing oh for sure yeah, obviously, I would not embody some of the same traits if that were <laughs> right. that were true. But it's just it's people grieve so differently, and yeah. with him in particular, I don't have. It's not like I don't ask him. He's my dad. I ask him all the time about some things, but he's always trying to think. We all do this. He's always trying to think of how to say things so it's not so much of a big deal for everyone else. Yeah, and it's like there's always going to be, I'm sure, some part of us that's a little bit more closed off, and that that's. For him. Yeah. Which frustrates me as a child because I'm like, what, what's going on? If, <laughs> if something happens to you, I don't get to know that ever. So it's like. You could. I if could. you asked. I, I do. I do ask. But as a child, you wouldn't ask. No, I did ask. Me? You? You've asked me? No, not you oh. specifically. Oh. I have had less time with you, I think, I compared to other relatives. Yeah. Because sure. she's angry. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of town. <laughs> no, um. no. As a kid, you asked me. You asked me if the baby was going to die. But maybe in line with what you have been saying before, maybe in the child headspace, you don't openly go, hey, I need to ask an adult what's going on. You, you know, you're not in that mentality to need to know everything. And the parents on the other side, too, are in this sort of protection mode going I shouldn't tell you everything because I don't know how your little brain is developing and is this going to cause a lifelong impact in what I say and et cetera, et cetera, right? So I hope that, again, you know, if you need to talk to somebody or you want to know what's going on, you can ask me. I I mean, I've been pretty open about my feelings about what's been going on on this podcast. So listen, yeah. listen first. <laughs> um, spare yourself some misery and having me having to repeat it. But, um, you know, I'm I'm an open book. I'm I'm happy to share these things with you, but know that like if your brother were to ask me, I would still try to be gentle because yeah, his sure. brain is developing, right? And we don't want it to have any, like I said, lifelong impacts. You would you could ask grandma anything you want. To. Oh God, but, but just, just be just careful. Have have a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of time. <laughs> you have to have a lot of time. All right, we're wrapping this up. I only have a couple more questions for you. All right. So knowing what you know today, you're much older. To your 12-year-old self when everything was happening, if you can go back and tell yourself anything in anticipation for what you've done and what you've been experienced thus far in the cancer journey and your grief journey, would you offer yourself any advice? Well, advice. I think I've probably reiterated a bunch of times on here that you can't 
force yourself to not feel things. And that was a large part of not even afterwards, during. I was trying to like, okay, well, how can I feel to make this better for everyone? And then I was asked a similar question when we went, when my cousin and I went to that program that NGS oh, mentioned. okay. Uh-huh. Where we were talking about it. And it was like, we had like a, an art project kind of to go with it, like draw on the thing, but also tell yourself some advice. And I still have that somewhere, but it, I drew a big blue spiral going inward on my paper. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is what it's going to feel like for a really long time. And you're not going to know what to do with that feeling. But just know it gets better at some point in time. And that mm-hmm. it's okay if you need to talk about it with people. Because I you probably that. need it. I love that. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Last but not least, is there anything else you'd like to share about your journey that we haven't talked about or covered yet that you'd like for folks to know that might be helpful for other cousins out there? For other cousins? Well, there was a point in time also kind of towards the end of my sixth grade year where I was trying to decide if I should go to some things that were related to the baby. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure, like I was asked to take a day off of school and I wasn't sure how that would impact me or my grades because everyone was emphasizing, like, you take care of your grades. You do this stuff so that you can go hang out with your cousin later. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being, like, a really big event that I regret not going to. Mm. So I guess in terms of advice, it's a really cliche thing that your your family is only there for so long and you should probably take as many opportunities with them as you can. But with cancer specifically, it's like you really don't know. And you don't know what opportunities you're going to miss because of it. Yeah. You don't know how long of a future you have to watch them through. So I guess even as an older cousin, like take the moments that you need, go see them. It'll be okay because middle school is actually not that important. (laughs) (laughs) But in general, school, education, anything that you can learn, you can go back to at some point in time or another. There will be more opportunities for that. But with someone that you have the potential of losing, you don't know that you have the opportunity to go back and and try to relearn or relive. So go and do it because even if people are telling you it's not the most important thing right then, it might be. You might regret it. And that's Mm. not something you want to live with. Yeah. So take the opportunities you can. Yeah. How beautiful. I am so incredibly proud of you. (laughs) Like if I, if you didn't know that already, I want you to know, I'm so incredibly proud of you, proud that you're my niece, proud of everything you've done and being willing to come here today and sort of air out all of this that you may have been not open about before, or that might have been challenging for you to communicate. I'm so on a daily impressed with you and your accomplishments and just you as a person being you. I love you more than anything. And like, I can't say enough that I'm in awe of you. And to know that you've taken so much responsibility on as the eldest sibling of your siblings, but also some level of responsibility with the cousins too, is like so much like I'm my heart. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute, like your dad, it's been an absolute pleasure having you guys and you offering your perspective in a child grieving another child and their cousin. And I hope for anyone listening that they can share this podcast, share this episode, especially with kids that are going through right now, because it might save them or might spare them some of the hurt 
or pain that they might experience later on. And I'm so incredibly thankful again for you spending time with me today and being willing to do this. And I look forward to future episodes where you we do a check-in and seeing where you're at and off to college and being a psychologist or psychiatrist, whichever you decide. Counseling, huh? Counseling, because obviously she's meant she's for something it. so yeah. great. But I anyway, all the time. yeah, thank you again. And we'll sign off, I think. We good? Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. All right, guys. We'll love catch you. you on the next one. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Thank you, kid. Love you.